Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And we're back, Rugby Rant fans. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. We got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt here with us. And we're at episode 115 of the Rugby Rant. And uh, I got to say, Rob, it's it's been a crazy three years, man. We're on se- I think we're on season four. Almost three years, yeah. Three years. Or almost three seasons. years. It'll be three years in April, yeah. Yeah, before seasons. Of the- and with any Rant. luck, with any luck after three years, if, if the cards, uh, you know, and the stars align perfectly, uh, <laughs> we might just get you, Ty, and myself in the same place. At Listen, the same I, time. I would I would if I was a betting man, I'd say at least you and I will most likely meet in person this season uh with yes. with Rooney going to Chicago. Yep. Um I am uh the 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 Mrs. Big Guy has already approved that that <laughs> that plan. It's just a matter of finances and and nailing down a date because I know those Chicago dates are were kind of up in the air as yeah. placeholders. So I, you know, so we, I want to make sure I want to make sure I'm not flying in on Friday and all of a sudden it's changed to Friday. Right. So, right. But I, I, well, but it's going to be, if we play our cards, right. It should be an awesome weekend. Uh, the, the Chicago blaze, my home club, uh, it'll be our 40th anniversary. Uh, and they're planning a big event for that Saturday. We're going to play the Northwest woodsman. And the, um, yeah, the Northwest woodsman, um, a team that we played 40 years ago uh, to open our club. Uh, and and we're gonna have an old boys game. So with any luck, we'll get the big guy out uh, on the pitch. Uh, yeah, that's not happening boots. whatsoever. No, that's not, no? not 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 happening whatsoever. But I do also have yeah. some exciting announcements. Besides the fact that the hammer and I and time might all meet each other hopefully this season. Um, we really uh, just hit about five thousand likes on the rugby rant page. So we gotta thank the viewers. Take the time. Listen, you know. We love that you guys, you know, subscribe and, and hit the like button for us. It's it's really amazing that we could take something that was literally just essentially a fight between me and the hammer about Matthew Bastro <laughs> um, coming to the MLR and playing for New York and turning it into having 5,000 followers. I think we have 58 or we have 5,200 something likes right now. We have 5,800 followers, you know, where we're, we go any get anywhere between 7,000 to this past RPK we had with um with about the Chicago Hounds was almost 20,000 views. So, I mean, that's wow, all 20, due to the fans. 000. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it's all due to the fans. You know, we just kind of put out the content and hope you guys like it. And, you know, we try and stay true to ourselves. One is fans two as, and, you know, arbiters of, of truth and, and, and bringing you things that you guys, we think you guys need to know, you know, without any type of political spin in, in this rugby sphere that we see. Um, but the, the, I think it's, it, you know, congrats hammer and congrats to Ty. You know, I think we've, we've shown it works. Well, and congrats to you. I mean, I think it's been a, it's been a, an interesting ride, uh, and, but a a hell of a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh, so much fun. You know, uh, and and it's, you know, it's like I've said many times, you know, these, these two guys are uh, amongst my best friends and ironically (laughs) enough, we have yet to meet in person, but we know each other's lives intimately and, uh, consider ourselves uh, close friends and, uh, really enjoy talking rugby and isn't that what it's supposed to be about you know sports boys to supposed to bring people together and uh, fortunately for us we've not only bonded as a as a, a threesome 
That's kind of scary to say. But uh, <laughs> we've also got a chance to bond with some great guests because I want to throw some shout outs to uh, all the great guests we've had. And we've had some fan guests on. And we've, sh- we've had some expert guests and we've certainly had our fair share of players and coaches and GMs and, you know, people that are, you know, in, in great places in rugby in North America. Uh, and without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. So a big shout out. There's too many to name here, but a big shout out. Uh, and we said, sent a thank you gift to those, you know, core uh, contributors that come on quite frequently. Um, so we, but we appreciate you. We really Absolutely. Do. Absolutely. Without them, we wouldn't do what we'd be doing. We wouldn't have the success, but um, let's start out with our around the pitch segment. This bowl represents the game we love. A game fueled by passion. But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room or the field of play. But they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching. Every kick, tackle, and try score. Yes, they are there for when you need them most. Because they are the Major League Rugby fans. And the time has come for you to stand with your team. Join us at shopmlr.com today. I'm going to hand it over to Rob. Rob, what's your around the pitch today? Yeah, I got a, a good one. Uh, PR sevens just announced that they're going to hold open trials in the U S and Canada. Remember the PR sevens has really taken an interesting course to growth. You know, the first year it was in Memphis and then last year they introduced PR sevens with three events kind of spaced uh, throughout the country. Um, you know, uh, DC, Austin, San Jose, not in that particular order, but you know, across from East to West. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the cities that play host this year, but here's what we do know. Uh, we do know that, um, there are going to be, I think five cities in, in North America, uh, that have been announced. And then a couple more that they'll have some specifics out, um, in a bit, but starting where in January 7th, Austin, Texas will have, uh, and hold the first trial in a series of open trials, uh, for PR sevens participants, uh, then you've got one in uh, January 21st, San Clemente, California. Then it travels up to San Jose on January 27th, February 19th, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, March 12th in DC, March 19th in Pittsburgh. And then they're going to have some announced dates uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah, and someplace in Canada. My only disappointment is that there are no Midwest cities there, especially with, uh, you know, two years ago, the club champions, the Chicago Lions are there. You've had, you know, Will Chevalier, Noah Brown, both came from the Lions program. Have, have got a, uh, were able to play in Hong Kong. You know, it'd be nice to see uh, a bit more talent ID camps here in the Midwest. But nevertheless, uh, if you're interested, if you're a player, you think you could play at that level, pr7s.com slash talent, and you can sign yourself up at one of those talent ID camps. Nice. You know what? I'm thinking maybe I should go down to the D.C. one and maybe uh, run some of their metrics with them. That'd be that'd be kind of funny. <laughs> arm and leg drive boys arm and leg drive let me show you how it's done uh you never know um i'm talking about my first my first around the pitch topic here is the return of north american players to the premier 15s 
uh, over in the UK. Um, just on, on the American side, Sales Sharks, you have a whole host of of, of American players. Um, uh, I believe Sales is going to be captained by uh, USA flanker Georgie Paris Redding. Uh, Katie Benson's there. Alicia Washington's there. Tana Howard's there. And I believe Carly, Carly Waters will be on the bench. Um, I know uh, uh, Washington was injured, missed the World Cup campaign, but she's back for the PR, um, excuse me, for the Premier 15s. Um, looking at Exeter Chiefs, you have um, Charlie Jacoby and Rachel Johnson there on the bench. Um, and you also have friend of the show, Gabby Contorna. You're going to see Gabby coming on the RPK next Monday. Um, very nice to interview her. She was very uh, nice to give us her, her, her time all the way out in the UK after you know competing in, in the uh, World Cup and then taking a small break and going right back into her professional career. But I'm really excited. Unfortunately, no Canadian internationals are taking part this weekend. Uh, you know, they had an extended two-week uh, World Cup campaign getting to the semifinals. But we sh- should see back them back uh, next week. And also, real quick, uh, Lance Williams uh, for the joins the men's Eagles seven teams in Dubai um, as like a beef up with with them. Um, that's going to be interesting. I, I like that. Uh, I like that pickup by the seven team. Yeah, I do as well. Uh, I mean, Lance Williams is a terrific player and it only gets better with time. So I can't wait to see him in action at sevens. He's a beast. I'm going to move on to my second around the pitch uh, segment. Uh, and I can't ignore neighbors to the north. Uh, Doug Wilkie. Um, you know, the Derek, the jet for set. I know you guys pay attention to watch every once in a while. Uh, we know Wilkie gets pulled over on occasion. He gets so excited to listen to the rugby rant while he's in his car, but the Canadian university championships are coming up uh, as of uh, the production of, or the release of this, it's actually going to start on November 30th. Uh, so you're going to catch us the day after uh, the first game, but it's going to go through the December 4th. Um, and you've got the quarters that are happening on the 30th, the semis are happening on the 3rd, and the finals are happening on the 4th of December. You can catch all the action on TRN, and they have a schedule posted, so check out that schedule so that you can get eyes on some quality college rugby from up north of the border. Taking place in Vancouver, British Columbia, on the... um, I can't read my own writing, Scott, because my eyes are going bad. It looks like it says porn, a great campus, but I know that can't be right. Uh, Nevertheless, you know, we can't advocate that stuff on this show. It is, of course, a family show until Scott says the F-bomb. Nevertheless, uh, you can also check out gothunderbirds.ca backslash C-U-M-R-C for a full schedule. Check it out. Should be exciting action. They identified in TRN five players to watch from that championship. Uh, Kyle Faust with the Arrows and Ethan Hager, who was the fifth pick by Dallas. So you can really see some uh, quality players that you might see enter the MLR either this upcoming season or next. You know, when you want to talk about quality players and young and up and coming players, if you missed our RPK from Monday, we had the uh, team from Young Glorion, Tim Brown, Ben Sima, our friend Arminta Gunkelon talking about Young Glory. And if you missed it, Young Glory um, is, is a community-based rugby program that uh, their goals are to help more uh, start more rugby clubs as part of a PE curriculum in local schools. They want to host free clinics with Old Glory coaches and players. They want to support young coaches by helping them get their certificates and place them at local clubs. And they want to support girls rugby through the creation of a women's board specifically created to get more girls playing the sport of rugby. Now, 95% of their programming is absolutely free to the community. 
and that includes um you know teams uh sports uh you know for young people ages uh, 5 through 23 clinics games trainings academy events from the district of columbia maryland virginia all the way to PA up as north as PA and south as North Carolina. And again, 95% of the programming is free to the community because people like you donate to them. They are strictly run on donations. They don't take any money from the big club. So please, please, please check out the link above. Donate a little bit uh, of money to this young glory program. It's really something that me and the hammer believe that needs to be bought into. Um, And this is how you can help. Take that money that you would be paying for your SIP if you don't want to give it to USAR and give it to Young Glory. It's a proven concept. They're growing uh, all along the eastern seaboard, and it's, it's just a good thing to see. So please go help Young Glory uh, by clicking the link above and just giving them a small donation. Um, and before we get to our rant segment, Hammer, let's get a word from our sponsors. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And we're back, Rugby Rant fans. It's the big guy. It's the hammer. And, um, you know, this week, um, me and Rob decided uh, on this topic. And I think it's something that a lot of people have been debriefing um, since our tie. Um, you know, it's, 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 there's so well, many there's emotions. A, there's, a, there's a lot of conversation. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of conversation here because I, I think, you know, like you said, so much emotion is tied into it. Uh, not just because of the coaches and the players involved, but because it's a dis. I mean, we are all ultimately disappointed, right? Yes. And, and, and the Eagles' failure to qualify, uh, and there's lots of opinions, and some things have been thrown out there that have fired the flames for these opinions to become more boisterous, if you will. Yeah, and there's been people who voiced their opinion. There's been players who've kind of clapped back at those opinions. There's yeah. rumors abound about just about everything going on with, with the men's 15 squad at this time. Um, and there's been accusations thrown around, you know, to some of the professional leagues of, well, what is their role in this and things like that. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where we're all disappointed that USA isn't going to make the rugby world cup in 2023. Neither is Canada. So no North American teams there. Um, and we're, we're me and Rob are really going to have a serious talk in our opinions about what we think coming up right now all right hammer so i'm gonna let you take off with this i think you 
you're, you're, you're more articulate than me sometimes in these situations. I'm a little more emotional, so I'm going to let you kick this off. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to avoid giving it all up at once here, kind of like a prom date, you know, give a little bit of, up at a time <laughs> mm-hmm. so as not to exhaust myself. But, boy, I, I guess for ever since the, the Chile, the Uruguay and then the Chile matches, I think the writing for me has been on the wall. Uh, a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, a great friend of mine, a guy I played with for many years, um, Bryce Elliott, who's a Kiwi, loves American rugby, has supported American rugby, Here lives here in the United States. He said, you know, uh, this has really caused a lot of people to become upset. I'm like, mate, people have been upset. It just that this was kind of the final straw. And for many of us that were watching the, the Uruguay and the Chile series and ultimately the, uh, this repechage, um, we kind of saw the writing on the wall and it really begs the question of what's the plan, right? A good friend of mine who I won't name has been asking this a lot in some of our private conversations. What is the plan by USA Rugby? And I have my own opinions on what that should be, but I really thought, you know, so for people that haven't seen it, um, there's a really nice article in the golf report. It's a two-parter uh, and uh, to a guy named, I think, Williams, if I'm not mistaken, um, put together the, the article and he has a really nice uh, set of key recommendations, a few of which I agreed with and, and, and stole. <laughs> and we'll share those as we go along. But I think that's the big question. What's the plan? How are we going to move forward? And ultimately, who's going to be responsible for creating that vision and that plan and putting it in place? But we can look at the, the dark side of things and, and go, you know, woe is me, woe is us. Let's be upset. Let's be disappointed. Or we could say, all right, put our hands up. Everybody needs to take some responsibility. And we got five, well, four and a half years to get it right. Put a plan in action, see it to the end, make sure that people are held accountable for whatever programs and pieces are put in place and follow that course of action uh, ultimately to 2027, because that's going to be the key event because it's the one before that we have to qualify for we're not an automatic qualifier. I mean, I think I was, I'm just as, as upset as everybody else, every other fan for not qualifying because we, we do have the talent to do so. And I do think the players played hard, but I do think it drips down from the top on some of these tactical decisions. Um, and let's be honest. We, 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 the Eagles always play better with the ball in hand, in my opinion. Um, don't get me wrong, having guys like Ruben DeHaas and A.J. McGinty who do have the tactical kicking skill are a good thing to have. But when we're playing against opposition that are just as good on the counterattack or on their their leg, why not play to our strength strengths, which is to be fast and be brutish and not necessarily have to do all of the, like, fancy things but just get the the basics down right and kind of brutalize teams um and that's where we seem to to live and and breathe and and really do our work and that is seems it's it's like almost match dependent on where they're going to use it i mean we saw in the first map match of repertoire and don't get me wrong it was against kenya but you saw the malls you saw the, the fake mall to the pits to the butcher and you had you had Dylan Fawcett in there, and Dylan Fawcett's a driving force of that ground and pound style that we we kind of succeed with. 
And then, you know, he came off the bench in the second one, and then he wasn't even on name to the roster in the third one. And, you know, you're, you, you, it, it was just odd to me that against Portugal, Portugal's down a man and you're kicking away possession when you need to win the match. Like it, it was, it was almost unbelievable to me that the decision to. They're playing not to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you can't play not to lose. You have to win because of the point differential. So like where in the, in the tactical plan was just go balls to the wall and, and try and score as many tries as you can, because it wasn't even like they were, getting the ball down there and they just missed their penalties or something. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. it just seems they just were trying to stay on their lead. But as we know, and we've seen this in other sports, you can't, you can't play a prevent defense, prevent defense prevents you from winning as they say in football. Right. And that's the kind of how I felt about the last, the, the Uruguayan Chile and the repertoire tournament. And I, I don't know if you agree with that. I, I do, and it's kind of interesting. I, I kind of was thinking in a zoomed-out approach, right, and thinking about, you know, let's let's take into consideration Eagles, men's and women's, by the way, you know, because the women's just got off a World Cup campaign, and as people will see in our interview, not to tease it too much, but, you know, I talked with Gabby Contorta, and one of the questions I asked her was, you know, what grade would you give, um, you know, the, the women in the tournament? And um, she kicked it back to me, and I shared my thoughts. She shared her thoughts, so you know, pay attention to that when it comes out next week. But, you know, given that conversation, I think we've got to look both at the men's and women's programs and look at development, you know, uh, as we look forward to, you know, the women's uh, tournament, the next women's tournament, and then the men's tournament in 2027. Uh, But I thought you made some great points at a micro level, right? Just looking at our game plan, our structure, and what we're doing as, as a men's team to try to qualify. Um, I, and, and I want to throw a question back to you because I genuinely am interested to hear your thoughts on this, you know, because on one hand, Gary Gold, like, did everything in his power to try to prepare this team for the repechage, you know, just in everything he did. Uh, but yet, I think you're, you're, and rightly so, you're critical of Gary Gold's strategy. Does Gary Gold maybe not get retained as coach per se, but does he get retained to stay in the Eagles system somehow, or do they totally wipe the slate clean of Gary gold, start fresh and figure out where to move forward with somebody else looking ahead to 2027? That's, that's a good question to backtrack a little bit. You know, Gary gold took the players he had and played to their strengths, but I feel like, the strengths didn't gel. There wasn't a synergy between the strengths in taking the best out of each player and using the best thing for each player. It was kind of, while, while it seems like they worked on it, it just didn't see, it never seemed to kind of get going. And we always see this kind of stop start thing that happens in critical matches. Um, I don't know if you would retain him on staff. You know, if it's, if you're going to clear house, I think you send the message to clear house. Now, in saying that, I want to know what do we have on the slate for next year, right? Because obviously we don't have a World Cup. So what are we going to do? Well, you know, so if, if they come out and they say we're going to play, you know, 
Mexico. We're going to play Chile again. We're going to play Uruguay again. We're going to play Paraguay. We're going to play Colombia. Um, maybe you see what he does early on, right? You see what he does early on. What what does he do with competition that's more in our in our frame and that's here too instead of playing the Irish or the Maori All Blacks or the AB15s or whatever we get to do the money grab here. You know, so the the question becomes twofold. If he st- does he stay in any capacity? Then if he stays, is he going to get on USAR to schedule teams that are going to help us play better? We should be playing Canada at least four to five times a year, no matter what. That's an easy match that we should be able to do between Rugby Canada and USAR in multiple multiple places in both countries. But what are they going to do to add to that to, to get us to the point where we can play better? Well, and that's the interesting. I think that's where the macro and micro kind of uh, uh, intersect, right? Because what you're talking about there is is how essentially how can – our U.S. national teams, men's and women's, play more cohesive rugby if they don't play together. And if they aren't playing together enough, and Cam Dolan as much has said as much on social media, but he's said as much to me personally. Um, you've got now you've got to be think, thinking about the macro piece, which is calendar. How do we structure a calendar over the next four and a half, five years? to prepare our teams to qualify for 2027 and be prepared to be competitive in the pool stages to, to try to get to the knockout round, right? Cause that's ultimately, I think a reasonable goal. So what you're talking about there is we've got to get consistent competition. You're out. I mean, you're in your out. Look at the all blacks. What do they play? Like, I think 12, anywhere from 12 to 15 uh, matches uh, throughout a calendar year. As a, as a group now they have a favorable calendar but but you know th- that much we know and then you know england with the six nations and then going into the summer the summer you know series where they get two or three matches and then you know they're playing four matches in in the the test window you know if you include like a baba's match you know they're getting quality matches and we haven't had that over the last two years and so i think you know on the macro level creating a calendar that's going to work for our U.S. men's and women's national teams. And then finding cohesive competition. I agree with you. I think like three matches is reasonable with Canada, but then get in some of those teams that are in South America, perhaps get a Fiji in there to really uh, you know, take us up to that step above or perhaps a Japan. You know, um, find a way to be competitive. Get these guys and gals in a more consistent atmosphere. Uh, and I will say the women's are already in that component. I, uh, it's the Pacific rim. It's a Pacific challenge or something like yep. that. I apologize for that. Not getting it right, but they kind of are developing into that, but we don't have anything like that for men's and we need that. So these boys can get consistent, uh, you know, playing time to develop cohesion. And you want to talk about consistent playing time. What I liked prior to the repertoire tournament was going and spending two or three weeks in South Africa with yeah. the Falcons, a team, than having the Falcons B team in South America. And regardless of the outcome there, the point is they got two or three matches under their belt on a consistent, you know, every week they played every week they were together. And even if, you know, it's, it's not the one-off. Okay. We had a, we had a one month camp and then we played the all blacks in, you know, in, in Seattle. This was, we had a five week camp. 
we came in, we came in, we played the first match. We had our, we had our practice. We played the second match. We had our practice. I would like to see, I, I think that's a good alternative to some of these high profile matches that there is just clearly a money grab that makes you more consistent. And the fact that we split squads and we blooded young guys, which is something that me and you talk about all the time. This was a good mm-hmm. way to do it, to send them yeah. down to South America to the tier two teams that we are going to play in the future. So you're, you're, you're getting like when we, when we talked with David fee about his, um, his um, uh, experience down in South America and just it being different, right. It's, it's different from right. playing rugby in North America, but it's something you have to get used to and you have to learn to get used to, and you have to learn to change your um, uh, the way you prepare it's going to be just a little bit different, but you have to learn it. Right. And if you don't learn, if you don't experience it, you're never going to learn what you need to change. Um, yeah. And that was, that was the basis for my Gary gold question, because interestingly, he had enough vision to see the need for that type of setup to prepare in that way. Right. So, you know, let's not, I, I guess in my mind, you know, it begs the question, do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? Like I see the point that you're trying to make, like you send a message, you hold people accountable, you know, do, do, does he, and it's a little bit of a pride thing, but, you know, do you try to keep on as a consultant to help with some of those macro pieces? Because he kind of sees and gets that. Um, it, it, I think it's time for somebody to step in and, and regardless of how you evaluate Gary, who was 19, 13 and one, by the way, I think the most successful head coach that we've had during that stint uh, of time. But, you know, it, 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 you know, bring in somebody new to, to, to take up the Eagles men's team and perhaps maybe Gary Gold's a consultant in helping develop the overall vision for the men's national team to help them be more, more successful moving forward. Well, but I'm going to ask you a question next, and because we're going to really get yeah. cooking. But that's what I'm talking about. May you know is does this does this the way he scheduled pre repechage one was it him? Two, if it was him, does this mean that USAR is shifting to give him the responsibility to set up this calendar? because they've been lacking in how they do it the past 10 years. So, so that's something we don't know. That's something we'll, we'll see in the future, but we're going to get real hot right here, Rob. If Gary gold goes, who's going to coach the Eagles? Okay. So you, uh, let me ask, uh, answer those, those first couple questions. I think he had the, I mean, I think his stamp was on what to do and how to do it uh, in, in, in South Africa, because you know, obviously his South African connections helped made that, that possible, but what, how did he do it? Like what, what gave him that flexibility, uh, permission, if you will, I think it was world rugby money. I think world rugby said, uh, USAR, you've got to be better. You, we want you to qualify. Um, you need some resources. We're going to help you with those resources. And we saw what Mario Ledesma come into that. And we also saw John Plumtree as an assistant, let me tell you something. Those two dudes don't just come in out of the goodness of their heart, <laughs> right? Somehow they're getting, they're getting money. Right. And, and my guess is world rugby. If we dug down deep world rugby is probably the source of that funding. Um, who's next. I'm, I, I think moving forward, in my opinion, I think it's gotta be an American and not just, you know, it's not just a token American. That's not what I'm saying. We have an American that's of quality to do it, and his name is Scott Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Lawrence, ha- you know, he he has a vision. He showed it with the U-20s a number of years ago 
in in what 2000 you know 13 going into 2014 something like that um and he's a very measured guy he he identifies those kpis that need to be met uh and he's a guy that will hold himself accountable and hold his players accountable and holds them to the highest of standards um you know both on and off the pitch uh and again he's american he has contacts within the mlr he understands the developmental pathways that exist here in the United States, the the role that college rugby plays. He understands American rugby. And I think at this juncture, as we build up to 2031 and 2033, we need somebody who is American, who understands American rugby, and who also has the ability uh, to put a plan in place and, you know, do what's necessary to be successful. So before I go into the rumor, I want to say, I think one of the things that, USA Rugby, uh, and this would have been, I think, a good part of our future. It's just something, unfortunately, we missed due to circumstance, is the lack of Greg McWilliams on that staff. You know, um, again, Greg McWilliams, Irish, was living here for a long time, coaching Yale in a very successful program. So he, he was another guy who understood collegiate rugby, you know, got to the MLR level, unfortunately had to, had to move due to um, family circumstances, but he was the attack coach on USA rugby and he had that attack flowing at certain points. And I know we didn't have the best of world cups in 2019. Uh, but prior to that, you know, we were really buzzing uh, with our attack and, and, you know, we, we saw shifts into the score lines and shifts into the way we were playing. And, and he was part of that staff. And I would have loved to see him, you know, continue to be on the staff and, and maybe take that next step as the coach. He's currently coaching uh, the Irish women's uh, national team right now, and they're taking their program and essentially building it back up from scratch, and, and they're, they're taking massive swings over there. So, But let, let's talk about the rumor mill um, because there's yeah. big rumors that Eddie Jones supposedly is getting big money to come here for 10 years or something ridiculous. Um, and here's, here's what I have to say about that. Um, if that's something up there, I wonder how the pay structure is going to be because, as we know, USAR isn't the best money wise, um, you know, so I, it gets me, it, it starts to my accounting prickly hairs on the back of my neck stand up because as we know, we don't actually make as much money from these big money grab tournaments that we, we do because right. we have to spend a lot on the expenses. What is he going to give us now? You know, uh, 10 years out from the world cup, right? You know, it's, it's not like we're coming in, in the, the, the next four year cycle for our, our, hosting the cup we're coming in nine years beforehand um and what would it look like in an eddie jones offense because if we're if, if our eddie jones uh tactical rugby mind part of that was eddie jones saying you have to prioritize u20s right yeah that was like that was like point number four or five and an eight point thing that he had spoken about with tony Riddell. That brings me to to a post I found today, being Monday the twenty eighth. Then um, this is on the soccer side. You know, we're, we're we have the, we're in the middle of the World Cup for soccer right now, men's World Cup. Um, big congrats to the USA under sixteens on their two to one victory over England. This was not their full strength roster either. In their tournament that they were in, they drew Spain two two. They beat Wales four to one, and they beat England two to one in the U sixteens. So what does that tell me? They are on board in bringing up those young soccer players 
to get them to their men's squad, right? And we know, especially in soccer, you can have a 16-, 17-year- or 18-year-old make your national team and make a difference. So if, if soccer is buying into this, how come USAR hasn't? And that doesn't mean we don't got, have guys like uh, Scott Lawrence and David Fee and everybody else we know who's been associated with the <laughs> – sorry about that. As I was saying before, we're, it's getting a little stormy here in New York, so my internet's starting to fluctuate, fluctuate in and out. But it seems as though USAR isn't pumping enough money into those uh, – we'll call them junior-grade teams in the U23s, U20s, and U18s. What do you think about that, Rob? Well, I agree with you. Um, as a matter of fact, I referenced that Josh Williams article that was published in the in the Golf Report. Uh, there was two parts to it. And one of the points that he makes is we need to make a commitment and invest in the future. And that's one of those pieces, right, is making a commitment to developing the U18s, the U20s, U23s, and giving them the opportunities like those Falcons got when they traveled to South America. Uh, I don't think it's enough that, you know, we took a group, uh, what, last summer to the Netherlands. Uh, they played a few few matches there. That needs to happen more frequently and more consistently in a more relevant competition. And and I know that uh, USA, USAR struggles with funding. Um, that's, that's a commercial piece that's got to be kicked into high gear in preparation for 2031 and 33 is get to commercialization so we have more money and we can do, do you know, put – put the re- proper resources into the process. But uh, what's interesting that, and the point that M- Williams makes is, you know, every year uh, rugby, um, it's Iran, uh, Rugby Americas North hosts a competition. It rotates uh, from Florida to Barbados to Mexico, to, rotates every year, but every year it's hosted. And the USA South Panthers puts a U-20s competition uh, t- team into that competition. And, and you know, my Preston played in that competition, played the final against Mexico and, um, you know, they lost by eight, but, uh, Mexico, those kids have been playing together and training together for a, I think it was a month to six weeks prior to that event. Right. So if, if we have this, you know, USA rugby South, which does great stuff, but it's, a you know, it's predicated on volunteers. It's predicated upon, you know, trying to. Um, you know, raise funds where they can. If they could put together those meaningful competitions for our age grade organizations, then the USAR should be able to do that. Um, where Eddie Jones fits in, I don't know. Um, I, 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 is he a guy that's more of a visionary, right? That says, that takes those ideas he put forth in the paper you spoke about and he says, okay, this is the plan. You know, I want input. I want guys like Scott Lawrence. I want guy, you know, on the men's side, Rob Kane. Let's get these people in here. Let's get those coaches in here. Let's get people from, you know, the collegiate level. It's and these are recommendations that Williams makes in this art in this article, if you haven't caught it. And bring those people together and get input and figure out what's the way forward and develop the plan. And then you bring those important um, individuals uh, who know and understand the rugby landscape in America to be involved in some way you know, at whatever level, whether it's men's, women's, team, U20s, age grades, et cetera. Yep. I, I don't think Eddie Jones fits in our uh, our hierarchy as a coach. Maybe he fits as a consultant. Um, we know he's done that before. We know he's done that with the San Diego Legion. Um, I know Eddie's come to New Jersey and New York quite a few times over the past couple of years to help host a rugby clinic in the area. 
Um, so I mean, he's he seems like he's wants he's you know he he we know he's familiar with USA Rugby and he seems to be interested in it. But do I think he's the way forward? No. Um, I think um, everything's up for grabs in the next the next cycle. I think every player spots up for grabs. I think yeah. every coaching position's up it for grabs. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. And I think they're going to take some serious hard look at, at a few guys and see one is a time to move on. One is a time to move up. One is a time to give a shot to. Um, how many of these international guys that have been playing in the MLR fall under the three-year rule? How many fall under the five-year rule? How close are they to becoming, uh, getting international status uh, to move into the Eagle squad? A guy like Brad Tucker, um, I think, is, is worth a look uh, on the interior there uh, if, he's, if he's eligible this year or next year. Um, you know, so you're getting those guys, right? And you have those guys in in young guys in like Joe Basser and um, Connor McManus who are USA eligible, coming from countries that played rugby in New Zealand and Australia and now playing on Rooney. Why not take a look at them? You know, how how come the Eagles haven't talked to them? To me, that's that's kind of like that that that's where I get a little stuck because why aren't you utilizing everybody you can that's coming to play rugby here? Um, but Rob, I'm yeah. going to kick it back to you, and I want to get—I want you to give me your top three things that need to happen uh, between now and June uh, for USAR. Well, I think the number one thing is they need to do a, a a reevaluation, right? Let's let's you know break everything down, evaluate every aspect of the organization from the top down. Um. Then, based upon that, they need to construct a long-term plan or vision uh, for you know uh, 2027 and 2031. Um, as we all know, um, it's the the kids that are you know 14, 15 years old that are going to be the foundation for that team in 2031 and 2033. So we got to figure out the both long-term and short-term, you know, element there. Uh, in that process, identify what are the key performance indicators. Hold pe- people accountable to those uh, year in and year out. Uh, those people who uh, you know fall short, hold them accountable, um, and and find somebody who can uh, bring in somebody if they don't you know do it right. Somebody who can do it right. Um, and I think that the last thing is within that system and structure, find meaningful opportunities for at each level the players to play more rugby at a more competitive um, competition and a more consistent basis that allow them to develop continuity and cohesion as they go up through the age grades and senior sides. And that would start with the men's and women's Eagles, making sure they're doing that now in preparation for 2027, laying that foundation, but also doing it with the age grades, find the money, you got to commercialize it and find the money to make that happen. Yep. I agree. <clears throat> um, my top three things that need to be done, make a decision on Gary gold. And if you're going to keep him, have him, I think having him schedule the next round of, of matches is priority because as you've seen, he can get these schedules done and we can get a more cohesive unit and play a little better rugby um, Two, be transparent as an organization mm. of USAR and say, you know, admit that you guys underperformed. And this is from the organization, not from the players. Um, right. Admit your mistakes and tell us that process going forward through that audit. We had rugby, rugby Canada do that whole audit 
on their 15 side when they didn't make it right um you know we talked about that with the uh the jet um almost um eight nine months ago um i want to see something similar from usar and number three i want them to come out and say they're going to commit more funding to the junior sides, the U20s, the U23s, the U18s, men's and women's, because we know if we can commit more assets there and commit more uh, funding there, as these 14 and 15-year-olds are coming up, the pathway is set in stone on how to get to that senior team. But they have to publicly come out and say that. And I think if they publicly come out and say that and prove to us that that's what they're willing to do, You'll see a lot of people sign up for USAR memberships that may not necessarily be playing because they do have these like guest fan memberships that you can sign up for, even though you're not playing on a team. So I think they'd be surprised if they can push that. I I love the fact that you mentioned the audit, Scott, and and here's why. You know, that eight or nine months ago when we talked to Derek about this, I think, you know, the, the, the end is nigh was kind of the the framework that we're working from for rugby Canada, right? Like, Oh my God. And, and remember a lot of the complaints came out of criticisms levied at some of the women that were playing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the whole system could have broke down, but it didn't, it didn't because there was an audit. People held their hands up. People were held accountable. And what do we see rugby Canada women do in this last world cup? They played outstanding mm-hmm. something was done right in that audit things were brought to the forefront and ultimately i think it it, it allowed for a platform to the women uh, for the women of rugby canada to perform well in this last world cup and get to a semi absolutely um rob i think we've had great discussions i think we brought up great points um we talked about some rumors we talked about some not rumors we talked about our opinions Again, uh, you know, it's not, this isn't to bash the players or their effort or their skill level or anything like that. I think the team they put out there does have the skill level to beat Portugal, to beat Chile, to beat Uruguay. And we just didn't execute. And that's just, that's rugby, right? But I do think sometimes we don't set them up for success at the upper levels and that drips down. Um, But hey, those are hard conversations that people need to have. And I don't think it's, a bad thing to be open about those conversations or, and not, you know, have them in the, in the open with fans. Um, so that's what we do here at the rant, man. You know, we have our opinions, we stick to them. Uh, we don't flip flop unless your name is, is Hammerschmidt. You know, he's flopping like LeBron uh, most days. Um, I'm telling you, we're going to go back and see that all the times he's, he's went back and forth on things. That's not true. <laughs> but anyway, fans, thank you again so much for watching. We really appreciate all you guys do for us again being over 5,000 likes, being over 5,800 followers, getting the views we get, getting the feedback we get. We really appreciate it, you guys. This is something we'd love to do. This is something, you know, it's not like we make, you know, like this this money off of this thing. You know, we have some sponsors. They help us out. But I got to be honest, this is really, uh, we've really stuck it out. Labor um, of love. Yeah, labor of love through three guys who love rugby, who've grown to become good friends with each other and want to put out a quality product for you, the fan of North American rugby. So, guys, I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. We got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt talking about Ty Brogger, who couldn't be here with us today. We appreciate you all. That's the end of episode 115. We'll see you all at the next.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.